Welcome to the Freedom Report. What I love about Austin Peterson is his love of the battle. He wants to fight. Austin was, of course, the rabble-rouser, just to make sure I stayed Rothbardian. We live in a world fraught with danger, and there is a certain amount of danger that the public must endure in order to secure the blessings of liberty for economic freedom and personal liberty. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Austin Peterson here. Welcome back to the Freedom Report podcast. And I have just one question for all of you. Are there any Democrats in Virginia who are eligible to be governor who haven't been dressed up in blackface? (laughs) I have been cracking up about this story all day long. And the hits just keep on coming because we've also had the State of the Union last night with millions of hilarious memes associated Honestly, I thought it was probably the best State of the Union I've heard in my adult lifetime. Uh, An excellent speech by the president. Not to say that I didn't disagree with certain parts of it, which we will get into a little bit later in the show. But first up on this podcast, I want to talk about what's happening in Virginia. Some of the news that's related to the scandal that began with Governor Northam and has now spread down to the lieutenant governor and then the third person in line to be governor, the attorney general, um, all of this that's been going on has been sort of a dumpster fire for the Democrats, but some of the news actually broke in the Team Liberty group. Many of the members of Team Liberty are from the state of Virginia and are involved in politics out there. So some of these uh, reports about the lieutenant governor who was accused of sexual harassment, he's kind of got a Me Too scandal going on. Um, And the story about the Attorney General um, appeared first in our Team Liberty group, at least it's the first place that I saw it. Um, And some of the people that are related to me or uh, supporters of mine were actually sharing these um, these reports to me. Now, it's funny because when I saw some of these things, I saw them before big major news outlets were breaking these stories. So I do, of course, feel sympathetic. Some people, sometimes people, like there's a desire to get that news out there. I didn't share it publicly because I couldn't corroborate it. You can't just operate off of screenshots. And it's really important. That way you're not making fake news. Uh, you know, there's ways to, you know, to package things if you're being sly, but frankly, I didn't want to get me or any of my writers or my website, the Libertarian Republic, in trouble. Um, We can talk about these things in the podcast, of course, now because they are all out there and it's reportable news. Uh, The latest in in that I'm reading right now that is just blowing me away is from the Attorney General, who would be the third person in line. So we have this, let's get the timeline straight. So Northam says some really stupid comments about abortion on the radio. Um, my assumption is, is that because of that, people started doing digging on him, especially from the pro-life community, big leagues, big league politics, which is a kind of a right-leaning news website. They found the yearbook photo. They published the story. That story came out that Northam, the current governor who has not resigned yet, um, was either in a picture of him wearing blackface or a KKK robe. And we had a good 12 hour news cycle, 12 to 24 hour news cycle where everybody was wondering, uh, is he the guy in blackface or is he the KKK guy? Uh, and so we still don't really have a you know decisive answer to that because at first he apologized and then he said he didn't think it was him. So, you know, 
honestly, there's no legal way to remove a governor just because he was in blackface, you know, 18, 20 years ago, whatever. Um, that's just the facts. So the, now the Virginia Democratic Party is in chaos uh, because the next news that broke was that the lieutenant governor, the lieutenant governor of Virginia, uh, was involved in a Me Too scandal. He was being accused of what sounds like rape. And then this morning, the news broke that he said, F that B-I-T-C-H, F that bitch. Um, you know, the F word, he said F that bitch in the meeting when he was talking about the woman that's accusing him of harassment. That's not good, bro. That's really bad. I mean, you go from bad to worse. You need to be careful. But when you're accused, even when you're accused of a, of a heinous crime, if it's not true, man, you just can't do that. You can't say that. It's just bad PR. So now, Lieutenant Governor is looking terrible, and people in the state of, the, the Democratic Party of the state of Virginia has got to look at that going, <laughs> And then now we have this new news that the Virginia Attorney General Mark Herring, the second in line to be governor, admits that he wore blackface. Uh, he's second in line. He admitted he wore blackface at a college party in 1980. He says when he was a 19-year-old undergrad, some friends, friends suggested we attend a party dressed like rappers. We listened to at the time like Curtis Blow and perform a song, A.G. Mark Herring said in a statement. Sounds ridiculous even now, but because of our ignorance and glib attitudes, and because we did not have an appreciation for the experiences and perspectives of others, we dressed up and put on wigs and brown makeup. Herring called it at one time occurrence and said, I accept full responsibility for my conduct. But did you use shoe polish? Did you use shoe polish, Attorney General Mark Herring? That's really because, you know, the shoe polish is hard to get off. You dar Do you say you darkened your face? <laughs> Uh, Governor Ralph Northam is also fa is facing uh, calls to resign after his scandal. And, of course, uh, Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax is accused of being sexually assaulting a woman, but he's claiming that it's consensual. I mean, the Democratic Party of Virginia is an absolute dumpster fire. And I'm loving it. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. I'm loving it. Am I supposed to not enjoy shot in front? Oh, that's terrible. Oh, no. No, 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 no. This It's just hilarious because... The, the same Democrats that were accusing uh, Ed Gillespie of racism. Remember that ad that ran in Virginia where they showed like the, the little minority boys and girls running away from the Confederate flag bearing truck with bearing the Gillespie sticker? And now we've got two guys, um, the governor and the attorney general, who wore blackface. One when it was in their yearbook photo. It's not even just a stupid party that the attorney general showed up to and was acting like a black man doing a doing a rap. No, that's, I mean, gosh, you know, you could understand perhaps that people did stupid stuff like that. But to put it in your yearbook photo? So now, you know, the Democrats want these guys gone. You know why? Because they want to continue to call Donald Trump a racist. That's what Judge Napolitano said on Fox News yesterday, and I'm going to agree with my boy, Judge Knapp. Fact of the matter is, folks, is that the Democrats, despite what PolitiFact and Facebook apparently would have you believe, uh, the Democrats were the party of the KKK. Uh, it's the fact of the matter is, is that the Democrats, it was, it was Nathan Bedford Forrest, the Confederate general, who was the founder of the Ku Klux Klan. It was former Confederates. It started as a social club for Democratic, Democrat or for Civil War uh, veterans, Confederate Civil War veterans, and it became the KKK. And they were Democrats. So, folks, 
when you see this stuff, and I'm seeing some news right now that Facebook apparently is putting the PolitiFact fact checker under all of the um, jokes that people were making about the Democrats being the part of the KKK, where PolitiFact rates it as false. I mean, wow, what a stretch of logic. What a stretch of logic. I mean, the history's there. I'm not trying to go all Dinesh D'Souza here, but the facts are the facts, yo. Like, it's not just, it's not, I'm not just trying to defend my team or anything here, but I mean, the Republicans were elected to end slavery. The Republicans were a conservative par- anti-slavery party. Uh, the Democrats were the party of slavery and the KKK. And, I mean, Bull Connor. I mean, come on, look, look at the Southern Democrats that uh, from the 1960s on. You know, those, they became Dixiecrats, right? They just, uh, they don't want us to remember this. They want to whitewash history. They do. Now, speaking of whitewashing, the State of the Union last night, all, you see all the NPC ladies wearing all white? So fitting that the only thing that they can't stand for anything but themselves. Like when Donald Trump gave his epic speech last night, uh, the ladies could only get excited and clap for when Donald Trump gave them a shout out saying more women in Congress than ever before. And they're, oh, yeah, no, they're not going to uh, celebrate the end of human trafficking. No, they're not going to celebrate any other things. They're going to celebrate themselves, which is just perfect for what these, these group of ladies represents nowadays. Is so inwardly focused and so selfish that all they care about is themselves. And that makes sense. And then, God there were so many good parts from the speech last night. Donald Trump said, uh, I believe famously, legendarily, that no nation should be in endless wars. No re- prosperous nation should be in, in endless wars. He denounces endless wars. Let me get this quote for you exactly. He says, great nations do not fight endless wars. Now as we work with our allies to destroy the remnants of ISIS, it is time to give our brave warriors in Syria a warm welcome home. Wow, beautiful, fantastic. Oh no, we don't get an applause for that. Uh, ladies, uh, December in December, Trump ordered the sudden withdrawal of 4,000 U.S. troops currently fighting ISIS in Syria. President later declared he would be pulling some 7,000 troops out of Afghanistan, where his administration is involved in peace talks with the Taliban. Uh, he says, in Afghanistan, my administration is holding constructive talks with a number of Afghan troops groups, including the Taliban. As we make progress in these negotiations, we'll be able to reduce our troop presence and focus on counterterrorism really interesting. I mean, the president sounds like he is doing everything he can to be a peace president. Um, and, you know, I mean, there were, there were reasons to be critical about uh, the way that he handled some of his foreign policy, like the, uh, the strike, the missile strike in Syria, right? But frankly, the, this is a president that seems to be leaning anti-war, and I'm loving it. Uh, I'm loving it. Now, I had a, an article from the New York Post that I wanted to share with you guys by John Podhoritz, and John actually, while I don't agree with everything that, uh, that John says, I have to say that um, a lot of the content here of what John has said is pretty accurate. Uh, he writes, Trump's bizarrely brilliant State of the Union speech. He says it was perhaps the single most bananas political moment of the Trump presidency. Newly elected Democratic women in the House of Representatives dressed all in white stood up and cheered while the very president they entered politics to oppose and defeat looked on approvingly. He had just cited a statistic that 58% of the new jobs in America had gone to women. They immediately applied this stat to themselves, and an act of almost staggering solipsism leapt to their feet and began to celebrate their own elections. 
Then Trump advised them to stay standing because they were going to like the next sentence, a sentence about how there were more women in Congress than ever before, to which they and their fellow Democrats began ch chanting, USA, USA, in the middle of a Trump speech. Then the president looked down upon these people for whom the word impeachment is a mantra and smiled. No one had that in the betting pool. There's been a lot of weirdness since 2016, but this meeting of the feminist minds brought us to new heights or depths of cognitive dissonance. Very true. One can only ask, are these the end times or are they the beginning of a beautiful friendship? Probably neither. No one remembers the State of the Union addresses, but Trump did make a bid for immortality with an unprecedented passage in which he warned the democratic investigations of his administration could destroy our economy. An economic miracle is taking place in the United States, Trump said, and the only thing that can stop it are foolish wars, politics, or ridiculous partisan investigations. If there's going to be peace in legislation, there cannot be war and in investigation. Uh, and uh, he, uh, this, remember, these are John Pod Horowitz and Arch Neocon's words here coming. He says, I don't mean to be ghoulish here, but it is historically not true that war is bad for the economy. And congressional oversight of administration practices is a constitutional requirement. Uh, a little ghoulish there. Yes, John Pod Horowitz, the broken window fallacy, which I'm not going to get into my Bastiat right now. Don't make me bring up my Bastiat. Don't make me bring it up. That's my baby right there. All right, sorry. Unquestionably irresponsible Democratic Party behavior needs to be opposed, but a president standing in the Capitol saying congressmen will kill the golden goose by doing their jobs is nervy, even for Trump. Here, as elsewhere, tr as elsewhere, Trump showed a certain mad brilliance in deploying his talent for Twitter trolling to force Democrats into various uncomfortable positions. Oh, yes, it was uncomfortable, and it was fun to watch, like with my Michael Jackson popcorn gif in the corner. <laughs> Give me all that popcorn, the big bags of popcorn. <laughs> For example, after talking about regime change in Venezuela, this is the best part, Trump promised socialism would never come to the United States. The TV camera zoomed in on a clearly disgusted Bernie Sanders, while Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi only managed a slight clap to applaud a sentiment any Democratic leader of the past hundred years would have felt it necessary to stand for. Yeah, and then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is smiling, and a big toothy smile, and like, oh, Bernie Sanders, it was the most ultimate burn. The best thing I've probably, I think I've ever heard a president say, in my life, maybe barring Ronald Reagan on a lot of things that I heard, but I was a kid, doesn't matter. I'm talking about my adult life now. Best thing I've probably ever heard any president say ever. And it was the, the fact that we got to see Bernie Sanders' face as it just burned red hot, red like communist, like Mother Russia, like Soviet Russia, down, down with communism, up with capitalism. Honestly, guys, it was an epic moment. I was enjoying it, and if you were watching my Twitter account, then you probably could tell that I was enjoying it. I thought that he came off as presidential. I thought he was defending the right values. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then, we got into the family leave. I'm going to make my friend... Uh, Ann Wagner, Congresswoman Ann Wagner, upset with this one. I know she's really for this, but frankly, I'm not for paid family leave. Um, 
Frankly, I think that it creates negative incentives in the marketplace. I think you're going to get ballooning prices when you guarantee uh, paid family leave. You're going to have what's going to happen is is that you're going to get lower wages overall. And the other negative unintended consequence is is that you're not going to hire young ladies who could get pregnant, right? If you if you get a a girl who's going to come in, if you have paid family leave, and you get a girl who's coming in and she's like, oh yeah, I just got married, really excited, I want to start this new job, blah blah blah, and then you get like a young man. What are you going to do? You're going to hire the dude. You're going to hire the dude because you don't want to hire the woman because you're going to have that paid family leave. Or you're just going to pay people less overall. So paid family leave, I'm against it because obviously I'm not an idiot um, and I'm, I don't have to pander to voters. I'm sorry, Ann. I'm just saying, like, I know you really want this, but frankly, the facts of the matter, the, the economics of this just don't make sense. I think it's a pander. I think it's a giveaway. And I totally disagree with paid family leave being mandatory. You know, if companies want to do that on their own, I think that's a nice thing. I think paid family leave can be a good thing if the company chooses to do that. And, you know, companies should offer those kinds of perks to employment to attract new employers. But frankly, the fact of the matter is, guys, this is not what I think the president should be focusing on. I think it was a nice little, it was a nice little giveaway, nice little grab, nice little, here, here, here you go, got this. But, like, you know, stop patting ladies on the asses okay you know if you're strong and you're and you're strong women then you know you don't need paid maternity leave ladies like buck up man up you're in the economy you're equal now quality means you got to compete for the same you're competing for the same jobs as us so you have to deal with what men have to deal with that doesn't the government shouldn't step in and take care of you ladies if you choose to have a child that's your choice it is a child and your choice. <laughs> Sorry, ladies, just not for that uh, for that kind of welfare BS. Anyways, the one thing that, of course, was missing that was a big negative, and Reason Magazine, of course, identified was the one trillion dollar deficit and the $22 trillion national debt. Eric Beam at the Hunt and Ron blog says, America is running a near-record deficit despite close to a decade of continuous economic growth, and the nation's $22 trillion national de uh, debt is on a trajectory that will see it reach 93% of the nation's economy by the end of the next decade, higher than it was during World War II, and far beyond that in the decades to come. That's the kind of problem you might expect to be part of a serious policy speech like the State of the Union, but there was no mention of it. Only the mention of spending, promising to outspend China militarily, right? The CBO now says America won't run a $1 trillion deficit until 2020, but temporary reprieve means little. So while discretionary spending is set to decline by 1.3% over the next 10 years, the entitlement programs of Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare, and the interest on the national debt will continue to push the deficit higher, right? So... Mick Mulvaney, listen to this. The decision to steer clear was not a mistake. When asked Tuesday whether Trump would discuss the national debt, Mick Mulvaney reportedly told reporters, no one cares. Well, I care. And I know that the listeners to the Freedom Report podcast care. And I know that my Patreon supporters care very much. So I want to say thank you and a big shout out to everybody who's supporting this podcast on Patreon. And the, and the good news for you guys is that you guys are going to hear the really exciting news that I have for you all uh, first, before anybody else. So if you want to get the news, the big exciting news that I've got coming, then go to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash AP for Liberty, and make a small monthly donation to help support the podcast. Uh, we are going to be doing a lot of big changes once the news breaks. It's going to be, um, it's really going to mess with my world, and there's going to be a lot of things going on, and I think everybody's going to be really excited about it, and it's going to help me and us, Team Liberty, spread the message of economic freedom and personal liberty.
Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. Don't forget to subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Podbean, Spotify, everywhere. All right? And have a wonderful day.